Hey everybody, this is Alex Merced from alexmerced.com uh, with another sort of uh, libertarian take on things. And today I'm going to give my libertarian take on the Biden-Trump debate. This is the third, or at least what was supposed to be the third debate. And again, the town hall thing became two dueling town halls or whatever. But this is the third debate scheduled by the uh, Commission on Presidential Debates, which is a whole other issue. Screw those guys. Um... But and again, if you're not familiar, just to give the the long the the TLDR version of it, it's that uh, the Commission on Presidential Debates is an organization made by Republicans and Democrats to make sure only Republicans and Democrats are in presidential debates. So uh, that's the reason why I say what I say. Now, the debate last night was pretty bad. Um, I mean, I was I enjoyed as a sort of political file who just really enjoys just watching political stuff, but you know, like they're just both really bad. Like Trump is just bad because again, his, his he just has, she was just such poor character and such poor temper, um, you know. And the thing is that that is important to think about these issues and to be to really kind of appreciate and think through what needs to be thought through. You have to have patience. You have to have. And, you know, the problem is, after a while, if you can't trust what someone's saying, then it's hard to know what's true and what's not. So, there's just some real big issues with Trump. And then when he cro he'd certainly crossed the line when he brought IQ into the conversation when talking about immigration. Uh, that was, just, to me, a line too far. Like, there's just... You don't do that. And it's just... To, to sit there and cast aside or, or cast aspersions on the intelligence of people specifically he was doing this referring to people who file for asylum for immigration in the united states and co actually come back for their hearing so people are actually following the rules he is uh uh casting aspersions as to to um their their knowledge and it's just sort of a, a a bridge too far um so that was uh that was kind of what killed me with trump and also just a lot of really just silly things like talking about sticking people in basements and hanging out in basements and tiny windows and um basically saying i take full responsibility but then i but i blame someone else immediately like literally in the next sentence uh it, it was just a, it was just bad there was he was it was definitely better in the sense that trump gave some better answers along the way or at least answers that were almost a better answer like he was getting at something that could have resembled a point uh and sometimes like had he understood this stuff better had, had he thought more critically about these things he would have better answers because there are people with better answers to these things there there is sort of a contra point of view to the point of view that biden is trying is articulating and my issue with biden he seems like a nice enough guy okay i don't doubt that biden is this nice old guy but the problem is is like he doesn't understand the fundamental issues that are really kind of going on here Okay, when you start talking about like raising the minimum wage again, yes, okay, uh, it's not just about whether businesses stay in business, but there's all sorts of other negative consequences to raising the minimum wage. Now you don't see necessarily a lot of these consequences in a dramatic fashion because generally most minimum wage increases are, are small, but we have seen these accelerate. And the problem is that they're not isolated because if one area raises the minimum wage by a whole lot, 
this could create an incentive for a company to invest in, let's say, something like automation. So they discover how to make machines to replace labor because that's the only way to make the business viable in that area with the higher minimum wage. But once they came up with the machine, there's no reason to not implement the machine everywhere they have labor. So you don't just create unemployment in that place that raised the minimum wage. You create additional unemployment everywhere because you've just created the you you've diverted investment and research towards replacing labor and now those new labor saving innovations are going to be applied everywhere so um and that's the other problem with like measuring these things is like you can't isolate because there's also like positive things theoretically like things that could be argued as positive things in the sense that you know you push up wages in x town what happens is that now everyone, people now apply to work in that town for those jobs which puts pressure on people in surrounding towns to raise their wages to compete to pull the, the quality labor. Problem is, you're you do have an increase in quality applicants because you've raised you know the, what you're going to pay, but that raise but those that increase of quality candidates one pushes lower quality candidates out of the job market altogether. So now they're just systematically unemployed because they can't command the higher wage, and that higher wage will bring in people who can't command it. So you've just kind of replaced your workers with better workers, but the people you said you wanted to help are now just worse off because they can't get a job at all. Um, but also those people who are more qualified are being diverted from other jobs that maybe could have better used those that additional level of skill, whether they're soft skills or hard skills. Um, when before at a lower wage, you would have had people who are good enough to do what needed to be done. And you might have been able to actually hire more individuals. They could have developed more soft skills, climbed up the ladder. So you have that sort of effect. Um, and then, of course, there's the potential that you're reducing uh, profits of different enterprises, which you're like, well, you know, then they just make less money. But the profits is what you use to grow your business. So that restaurant may not expand to two restaurants and hire double the amount of people. The restaurant may still exist. It may not go out of business, but it doesn't expand. It doesn't it doesn't have the there's no one there's no profits for that business to reinvest into itself or two um it doesn't have the profit margins to attract newer investors for it to expand because again if i see like okay this business is only returning three percent but there's other businesses that are returning seven percent well my investment dollars are going to go there so now these businesses are starved of the ability to raise more capital to grow okay um so that's another effect and then of course there's the potential that you to try to deal with that you try to raise prices which isn't always the case because again there's elasticity of demand so your ability to raise prices isn't always there so then you take the smaller profits but then you're starved of capital um and you're kind of stuck and the problem is businesses that aren't growing are shrinking you don't just stay the same size you don't get to a point where you're a healthy sized business and you just stay there because it's not like people have to buy your stuff so you have to constantly be seeking new customers seeking new ways to make money because people get tired of the same stuff, okay? Just because they liked your restaurant this year doesn't mean they're gonna like it next year. So that whole thing, and then there's a the healthcare thing, okay? At the end of the day, like, yes, I agree that one, healthcare should be cheaper, okay? Most healthcare services and, and, and way healthcare is provided in the, US, in the United States is ridiculous, but it isn't because we have a market. You don't have a market, okay? Individuals really have no autonomy when it comes to healthcare. Okay, basically the way healthcare works in the United States is you have a third like a like a third party payer paid by a third party, okay, which is ridiculous. So basically what happens here is that who your insurance is is 
picked by your employer. So whether you have insurance a lot of times and what level of insurance you have is just based on what your employer decided to make available to you. Uh, so in that case, most health insurance companies, when they're creating their products, their products aren't geared towards you, the person who's going to actually end up getting the healthcare services, but they're designed for the employer, designed for the person who sort of has the agency, the choice to pay. Some of your money may be, be, be taken out of your paycheck to pay for that insurance, but you're still not involved in the decision making. So in that case, they don't care about your opinion. Then, okay, um, they the insurance company the, who pays your doctor. So when you go to the doctor's office, who pays your doctor most for the most part is the insurance company. So doctors, and then they they have to deal with whether they have a cho you know the choice of the insurance company to decide to pay for your claims or not, which are always sort of up in the air because even if your insurance company says they would cover it, then they may not cover it full price. And well, there's all these sort of like things that are up in the air, and the question is like when will they pay for it? So doctors want to have to increase their prices, and medicine companies have to increase their prices because generally in negotiations with insurance companies they have to show it like a discount. Um, and then two, there's people. Basically, those insurance companies may take forever to pay, so they have to kind of factor in the interest of the time they have to wait for the money that comes in. So all this has to be factored in, which creates a very inflated price for healthcare services because it's all designed to facilitate the insurance company making the payment, the third-party payer, who the third-party payer is not receiving the healthcare services, so they don't have any sort of immediate, they don't have any urgency to pay. And they have every reason to try to negotiate to pay less. So they want to drag out those payments. They want to uh, really negotiate hard with healthcare providers, which limits the amount of providers who you can go to because they may not take your insurance because they don't like the negotiations they enter. They don't like the terms. Okay, and your insurance company doesn't really care. They're not the one going to the doctor. So there's this whole level of third-party decision-making revolving around what should be like if you were paying the doctor, then the doctor would care about making prices that are easy for you to understand and creating an experience that's quality for you because you are the decision maker. Okay, if you chose to buy your insurance, if you picked your insurance, again, same, similar, but again, ideal world, you'd be paying your doctor directly. And then again, the, they wouldn't have to price in all this interest for the delay in payment. They wouldn't have to price in uh, all, have to create this huge list price because they have to price in sort of what they expect insurance companies will discounts what they will want they'd be able to offer you a reasonable price okay and then they don't have to like factor in and like sort of cash flow issues like there's all sorts of weird issues because of the system but if you just switch to the government yeah okay maybe you know you're less worried about like okay will you have insurance next month but the fundamental issue far as like okay is the doctor going to sit there really cater their practice towards you okay um you know are the fundamental prices going to be any better when the government's doing the negotiation, they're still a third party. They still don't have the urgency to pay because they're still not the ones going to the doctor. They don't have, they have every reason to negotiate and negotiate so hard that it pushes providers away, um, limiting your providers. Again, they have the same incentives that an insurance company has because they don't want to spend the money because they're not the one receiving the benefit. Okay, so when you create that disconnect between the person receiving the benefit and the person making the decision to pay you're going to get this service this is what's going to happen okay it's it's switching the insurance company with the government you know again you you right now you have two third party payers you're you, you have a third party in the employer and you have a third party in the insurance company so you're placing two third parties with one third party but the fundamental incentives are still there okay 
you know, you might address certain edge cases around the middle, like, you know, what happens about the poorest people who might not be able to afford insurance, people with pre-existing conditions. Like, those things might be marginally addressed in the short run, but you're still not fun addressing that fundamental, like, pricing issue, that fundamental, like, disconnect between consumer and producer that allow there to be enough health care for everyone to create the right incentives to figure out what is the right system, because the in none of the right incentives are, are, are connected. So, you know, at the end of the day, when I hear Biden talk about their health care, his health care plan and the other Democrats about their health care plans, like I appreciate, you know, their empathy for the plight of what's going on in the American health system, health care system now. But it doesn't address the fundamental issues. It only provides a short term bandaid that only will inevitably increase the unsustainability of what we have. OK, because now you're just you're only extending it because you're just socializing the cost. You're essentially spreading the cost among everybody, but you're not stopping the drivers of the cost growing and driving the things that are driving the unsustainability. You're just kind of extending the life, um, you know, kind of like what always goes on with all these things. So it's like, okay, well, you know, these sort of weird non-marketish paradigms that, that we like uh, are no longer sustainable because they don't have the right incentives. So we'll just, force it on everybody to make it sustainable for a little bit longer like that's it's just not 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 the deal okay so that's my thoughts on the debate okay trump again just doesn't truly care enough about these issues doesn't understand doesn't care enough to understand them enough to truly be articulated in any kind of way that that, that paints any kind of vision okay i think someone else put it well last night they were speaking relative to healthcare, but the tweet was i think accurate just about these parties in general where Democrats are the party with a bad plan, but the Republicans are a party with no plan, okay? And it doesn't mean I want some sort of large federal intervention. I don't. But having a plan of how to unwind existing interventions and having a vision and an articulation of why it matters, that's a, that's a plan. That's something that people can tangibly like focus on and, and anchor themselves when they look towards the future. And you don't get that from Republicans. You know, it's really just a fight for power so everyone can just dole out favors to whoever contributed the most money. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Political solutions are always bad solutions, which is why I want, as a libertarian, I'm involved in politics to to encourage people to move so problem solving outside of the political realm into their communities, into their families, into their individual hands. Because when we work together in a consensual manner, we get a lot more done a lot quicker because there's a lot less of this having to wait till everybody's on the same page because you already have control of your resources and you get together with a bunch of other people who consent to use their resources with you on a small scale you can get things done right away make change now and that's essentially what we need someone in the position of leadership to articulate my name is alex merced you can always find more of what i got to say over there at alexmerced.com you can go become a patron make a donation crypto whatever whatever you want to do um or just Check out my other content, videos, podcasts, etc. over there at alexmerced.com. Have a great day and enjoy.